My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. How do you define your sexuality? Do you label it? Are terms like gay, straight, and bisexual important to you? And what if you consider yourself straight but want to explore bisexual activity? Or your partner and friends start exploring and you feel kind of left behind. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, everyone. I'm your host, August McLaughlin. And as you can probably tell from the intro, we are covering a lot in today's episode. As you may have noticed, I rarely record episodes by Skype, but the guest you'll hear from today is well worth the exception. Before we dive in, a quick shout out to today's product sponsor, The Pleasure Chest. It's my favorite place to buy sex toys, lube, and more. Stop by thepleasurechest.com or click their ad on my website, augustmclaughlin.com, to start shopping. If you're in LA, Chicago, or New York City, you can shop in person and participate in their free weekly workshops. They are super awesome, and they often feature guests who've appeared on Girl Boner. And don't forget to sign up for Girl Boner Extras on my website, augustmclaughlin.com. I send updates about once a month, often featuring content or goodies you will not find anywhere else. Now I'm so pleased to share my chat with Genevieve Lejeune, founder of Skirt Club, a private members club for bi-curious women. A keen advocate for advancing women's confidence, her programs encourage women to act and think independently. She was born in London and raised in Hong Kong and has a passion for travel. She's lived in 16 different cities, which is pretty awesome. And five years ago, she left her corporate days in finance far behind trading the office for the beat at Bloomberg after taking her master's at London City University. She says there's never a dull moment and she is always on the move. So I'm going to hop in here at the studio throughout the interview and share some additional thoughts and tidbits and takeaways. The episode also includes two questions from listeners related to bisexuality, such as, do lesbians like dildos? Good question, right? So I started my chat with Genevieve with one of my favorite questions. What did she learn about sex and sexuality growing up? I found out the most interesting way by reading a book called Forever by Judy Bloom. <laughs> this book in my era was, um, I'm probably a bit older than most people, um, was infamous for teaching girls about sex because it's a story of a woman who has sex for the first time with her boyfriend, you know, when she's about 17 years old. And until that point, I hadn't actually realized what sex was. Um, despite all the biology classes they taught at school and pollination and uh, anatomy, um, no one had no, no one had been able to give me um, the actual facts about what intercourse was. So that's how I found out, and I was shocked. <laughs> <laughs> when do you say you were shocked? What was your reaction was it enticing was it because I feel like so often when we hear these these kinds of things it's it can be very confusing yeah it it was it was cold fear it was not um pleasurable or exciting in any way whatsoever it was total utter awe. how had no one told me about this before you know how did I get to the age of 15 and not know actually maybe I must have been younger 
maybe 13 or something, but how had I, how had my parents not told me? <laughs> I was, I think I was just astounded. Um, yeah, it, it was such an, a vital part of life, yet um, no one had, had to, everyone had failed to mention it to me. Did you talk to your parents then or any friends? I know it can be so taboo that there's kind of this cloak of secrecy where you feel like you're not allowed to ask questions, but it sounds like you're probably curious. Did you pursue any answers? Um, I proceeded to find out by myself with firsthand, you know, field research. Um, I decided I would go about it my own way, which was um, finding out with boys. And no, I did not discuss it with my parents because they <laughs> they had failed to tell me so far then uh, they clearly were not going to feed me any more information that I needed, or they did not know themselves. No, I just took the approach that they hadn't, hadn't told me because I didn't understand properly. So it was, it was therefore up to me um, to take my own course and my own journey. Which you have done, and obviously professionally too, are encouraging other people's journeys. Why is talking about bisexuality important to you? Um, it's just such a release to be able to say it out loud. Um, I certainly found my own feet that way. Um, believe it or not, you know, five years ago, I was uh, quite a meek and mild person working in finance who couldn't find their own voice and often put down or put into a corner by men who I worked with. And I just, I felt I was just struggling to know who I really was. And this you know, talking about your own sexuality is a huge hurdle to overcome, especially when it's something still taboo. So it was a big break for me. Um, and the first, you know, 35 times I said it out loud, they were all really scary. Um, and now I just have immense satisfaction from sharing it. So I know that every time I share something about myself, it emboldens another woman to do the same. Yes, I relate to that from both directions. And I think that's such a powerful way to empower ourselves, empower others. Was there a specific catalyst that while you were working in finance and your life was so different, was it kind of an accumulation of all these experiences and those challenges with saying it out loud? Or was there kind of an event or an epiphany where you thought, I need to really speak up about this? I think I just, yeah, there definitely was an epiphany when, um, you know, a couple of instances at work, uh, which I thought were highly unfair. Um, the usual situation where I'm told to shut up because what do I know? And, and I, it just kept happening throughout my life where I was belittled constantly because I was the marketing girl or, you know, the, the female who was new on the block. Um, but my opinion never, ever counted. And I just didn't like living in a man's world anymore. Um, and I realized as soon as I got out of finance that I had to do everything I could to change it. I, I couldn't sit here anymore and just be told what to do or told to shut up. So I just I just take this approach. And I love that you took the sexual empowerment approach. Could you speak to the importance of embracing our sexuality in all these areas, because you're talking about, you know, not being um, respected as a as an equal at work. How does that relate to kind of how we feel about our sexuality, or or how is 
embracing our sexuality a gateway to empowerment throughout our lives? It's one very simple word, confidence. Um, as soon as I found my confidence, I, nothing could stop me. And it was very easy for me to put my foot forward and to speak up. And and then I got respect. And it really was just a case of breaking my own fear um, and being out loud about my sexuality and enjoying sex for myself by asking for what I wanted gave me this newfound confidence that I, I'd never had before. And um, things suddenly took off as a result. Uh, I, I, I just literally unleashed myself. Um, and I'm so happy to have done it. Um, I could not have continued living that way. I so relate to that. Aren't those turning points interesting? So as you know, if you have followed Girl Boner for a while on my blog or here on Girl Boner Radio, you know that embracing my sexuality helped me heal from a severe eating disorder, which essentially helped save my life. I wrote a lot more about this in my Girl Boner book, which is coming out in just a few months, because I think it's a super unaddressed and important topic, the impact of sexual self-embracement throughout our entire lives. I asked the Girl Boner community online, you can find us at facebook.com forward slash mygirlboner, how embracing their sexuality enhanced other life areas beyond all things sex. Sam told me this, I was held back in every life area basically. For me, coming out as gay and non-binary and accepting all that about myself helped me meet the love of my life. My relationships used to be so toxic and I didn't even know why. Maxine said, I never actually thought about this, but I think it helped me finish college. I had dropped out and had literally no sense of purpose in my life. I was also a virgin and saving myself for marriage, which I know sounds really old-fashioned, but I realize, oh well, it's true. Therapy helped me see how much shame I had sexually, and the world sort of opened up. Sam and Maxine, you are rock stars. Thank you so much for sharing, and huge kudos for the beautiful work you've done in your lives. Exploring sexuality and desires are a big part of Genevieve's Brainchild Skirt Club, a, quote, underground community for the curious kind. So Skirt Club is a private members club uh, for women only, um, mostly of the bi-curious, bisexual kind. Um, we invite all women who um, ha have a taste for intellect um, as, as well as enjoying themselves <laughs> at our events um, and are curious to find out more about their own sexuality and how they've had to discover it. Every woman has um, their own desire of what it means to be a woman from the inside out, and we help you discover that. Um, it's, it's really not as scary as it sounds. And I know for any woman attending an event by herself on her own, um, not knowing really who she's going to meet or what she might do um, at a venue she's never been to can probably be the most scary thing you can do. But um, it really is quite a friendly place of friendly faces who, who are all in the same boat. And a lot of it is talking. A lot of it is sharing, you know, how each other feels, um, their life so far and how they've dealt with it, how their partner deals with it. I noticed that most of our events for the first two to three hours are just this sharing of knowledge, um, trying to understand one another. Uh, and I think that, you know, that really helps every woman understand, you know, who she is and, and how, how to embrace that. I received a question fairly related to this topic from somebody named Carm. Hello, Carm. Thank you for listening. And it's a really important one, I think. Here is what Carm said. 
Hi, I am bi and female and have only been with men as of yet. I'm starting to date women casually and am nervous about taking things beyond kissing. Are bisexual or lesbian women usually offended by dildos and strap-ons? And what if going down on a vagina is freaky for me once I start? I feel clueless and also embarrassed to even ask these questions. Basically, any beginner's tips you could offer would be most excellent. Peace, Carm. Such a great question. Thank you, Carm. I asked Genevieve what advice she would give, and she started by saying, stay calm, Carm. Really, um, you don't have to do anything on the first date, right? So don't think those are the expectations. They're often not. Um, if, if this is your first time, then really, you, you know, kissing and talking is probably going to be enough for you. Um, if you want to take it further, it's not going to really just do what comes naturally. If you do think it's going to freak you out, then just don't do it. It's, it's no one, once again, there's no pressure, right? Girls don't do that to one another. Are bisexual women offended by dildos? Absolutely not. Um, if anything, they enjoy them. Um, more so, I would say. Um, but again, it's not intrinsic. You don't feel that has to, your, your date needs to be about going to this step so far. Such great advice with universal takeaways, I think. Starting where we are is not only okay, but very often the best approach to anything related to our sex lives, our sexuality. I also asked our resident sex and relationships expert, Dr. Megan Fleming, a sex therapist out in New York City at greatlifegreatsex.com to weigh in for you, Carm. Carm, I love your question. Um, And I just want to say that, you know, we all start when something is new is clueless and have the potential for embarrassment. But the reality is we know what we know and we don't know what we don't know. And so there are no stupid or dumb questions. Every question um, is an important one because it expresses your curiosity. And it sounds like even though you haven't yet had any experiences with women, that you're noticing or identifying an attraction and an interest in exploring. And I think anytime we're open and curious to sort of exploring our sexuality and, you know, who we're turned on uh, with and by and, and what specifically are our unique turn-ons is um, always a worthwhile uh, adventure. So, um, I guess I want to sort of say, you know, it's interesting, a client of mine recently framed a new word. He called it excite terrified. And I think that, you know, that's probably what this is going to be like for you. There's going to be excitement and a right alongside because you're stepping into the unknown. There's going to be the anxiety and the maybe feeling terrified. But again, I want you to recognize it's completely normal. And the biggest recommendation I can give you is to just take it slow and we are all our own experts. So let your experience and what feels right sort of be your guide. You know, I often refer to this idea of, you know, red light, yellow light, green light. You know, when something's a red light, in, internally gut says it's a big stop sign. When it's yellow, there's like, eh, I don't quite know. And there's nervousness, but there's, there's an inkling, right? That, well, maybe. And so you hang out in the yellow to see whether or not it goes green or red. And then the green, of course, is like no holds barred, have fun and play. So uh, take things slow and just let your body give you a sense of what direction you're moving in. And the other thing I say around this, especially around that yellow light is try, try again, because the first time we ever try anything new, um, we can't help in a sense, but to be spectating, sort of observing ourselves and thinking, mm-hmm, you know, what do I think about this? Uh, but that cognition, first of all, there's nothing really sexy about it, but it also is inhibiting potentially 
some of our arousal response. And so the try, try again just gives an opportunity to move out of that more observing role. Um, and then the other thing I would say is, because again, you're looking for tips, it's to realize, you know, when it comes to penetration, um, there's no gold standard here. You know, it really depends. I know clients generally hate that answer, like it depends, but the reality is it's true um, because I definitely have had clients and known women that uh, absolutely love and are into penetration and love it. And some, not so much. In fact, some, not at all. So it's really about opening that dialogue with ever, whatever potential partner you might have. Um, and just to recognize that there really is an opportunity to in this exploration. Um, that being said, you know, of course, it's always good to do a bit of research. So uh, some resources for you would be uh, Girl Sex 101 by Allison Moon and Katie Diamond. And another one might be, um, there's this app called OMG Yes. Oh my God, yes. Um, and it really is about the science of pleasure. They interviewed about 2,000 women. And this is an app that actually teaches multiple techniques uh, because, again, we're all unique and different in terms of what gives us pleasure. Uh, but some of the techniques that they cover are things like edging, uh, hinting, rhythm, and many more. So um, I'm really excited to hear that you're open, curious. And actually, if you're in the New York area, Miami, it's actually a London organization. It's called the Skirt Club. Um, and the Skirt Club is specifically, they hold events for, uh, you know, by and by curious women um, who really can explore their sexuality and their boundaries in a private setting. So do some research. There are a lot of resources out there. Um, it's great that you're open, you're exploring. And as I always say, have fun and would love to hear how it goes. Okay, it may seem completely like I set Megan up for that skirt club shout out, but I 100% didn't. Kismet, perhaps. So what if you're really struggling to have these conversations with a lover or partner? I hear from so many people who feel challenged in this area, a bit uncomfortable. So if you are among them, you are not alone. According to Genevieve, the more you practice communication in other areas of your life and relationship, the easier these conversations will be. And regardless, there are some fun and playful ways to go about it. Mm, okay, yeah. So, so if, if you've been with somebody for a while already, then you already have a rapport. And for me, feeling close to someone and talking about all of your problems, not just sexual, it breaks down all those barriers. And it doesn't become unusual to, to bring up, you know, sex toys in a conversation. If, if you're used to discussing everything together, it's no big deal. Um, how do you bring it up? You know, I'm, I, I've been known to purchase things and have them arrive and, oh my gosh, what's this darling? Can we have a little play with this tonight? You know, and <laughs> often met with surprise, but absolutely at the same time. Um, that's one way about it. If you're going to go and choose a toy that's a little bit, um, <laughs> on the extreme side, then I would definitely have that chat first. I would definitely be having it open on my laptop, looking at it, asking, I wonder how this works. You'll know immediately if he's offended or whether he's intrigued. Um, his eyes will tell you everything you need to know. Um, at which point you probably buy that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, that's a really good point. And it can be a really enticing and arousing and intimacy building practice to explore a toy shop or a website, whether or not you end up enjoying the particular thing you purchase or whatever. I, I feel like that's a really beautiful thing to share with someone. 
yeah, there's nothing wrong with variety. You know, I've, I've been married now for four years and I, I absolutely have an array of like different toys to play with because I need, I need to know that the option is there. I don't, I don't actually use them very much, but it's, it's just the, the idea that there's, there's endless possibilities. And I think that keeps my mind working. Um, and his too, which is important. Yes. I love that so much. I have a variety as well. And there are a couple of toys that I gravitate toward the most often. Like when somebody asks me like, what's your favorite toy? I have a hard time answering because I always feel like my favorite is the one I'm using at the time, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's the adventure <laughs> and trying different things. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, you're, you've always had one favorite, but it's not bad to have one favorite all the time. Right. So exactly. You've got to be exactly. Fair to <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. So in your estimation, how common is bisexuality? I know that orientation is somewhat of a spectrum. It can be very, very fluid. How many people identify as bisexual? Good question. You know, um, if you look at my member database, um, I can tell you that 70% identify as bisexual and the others either as straight or gay. So, you know, immediately the question arises, why are straight people coming to skirt club? Well, they see themselves as straight, but they act out differently. So, it, you know, how you label yourself, if you wish to label yourself at all, is your prerogative. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean anything, quite honestly. Um, I, d I do, I do believe that the way you feel also changes through your lifetime. So maybe I think we're, you know, I think we've actually grown past the stage of labels altogether. I like that idea very much. I don't really like to label my sexuality. That's just my own personal, um, feeling, but I also know some people are really empowered by particular labels and I think that's great. Uh, but I, I, agree so much with what you were saying about it being, you know, fluid, it can change and, and all of that. And do you feel like we are moving in a direction where we won't even have the labels around? Like it's everyone's just, you're a sexual being. Do you, do you foresee that ever happening? That That's already happening. And, and ask anyone from generation Z and they will tell you that they don't, they don't apply labels anymore, um, but they will behave however they want that night. Genevieve is absolutely right. Some people love the phrase, the future is female. I prefer the future is inclusive. And from a sex standpoint, perhaps the future is fluid. So Generation Z, which is basically anyone born between the mid-1990s and mid-2000s, so you'd be ages 7 to 22 now. I know some of you are listening. Hello. I'm so glad you are. I'm also so grateful for what you are bringing to the world in terms of openness and acceptance. In a press interview, Lily Rose Depp, an actor as well as Johnny Depp's 18-year-old daughter, said this, you don't have to label your sexuality. So many kids these days are not labeling their sexuality, and I think that's cool. I think that's cool too, Lily Rose. At 19 years old, Jaden Smith told GQ Style, I feel like people are getting confused about gender norms. I feel like people don't really get it. I'm not saying that I get it. I'm just saying that I've never seen any distinction. I like that worldview, actually. A 2016 survey conducted by the J. Walter Thompson Innovation Group found that only 48% of Generation Z identifies as, quote, completely heterosexual versus 65% of millennials. 
And over half of the newer generation reported knowing someone who goes by non-traditional gender pronouns like they and them, making Gen Zers the only demographic where that is the case. You are all rad. And I think we can learn a lot from people who are younger than our own age group and older as well, and from cultures all around the world. And while I believe we are all so much more similar than we are different, and obviously we are socialized differently based on things like gender expectations and geographical area, I wanted to find out Genevieve's take on this because she has spent so much time traveling and living and kind of immersing herself in these other cultures. Of the many cultures she experienced, I wanted to know what differences has she seen in the way people approach sexuality? Well, this is a fascinating topic. And I'm determined to write a book about this one day because I've just, you know, come off the back of a two-month trip around Australia and Asia, where we launched Skirt Club in Shanghai, um, in Melbourne, Australia, and we hosted another event in Sydney. And I've had the opportunity to meet many of our members um, around the world. I do attend most of our events globally. So I I have a lot of one-to-one FaceTime with women who are exploring their sexuality often for the first time. So it's the format of each of our events is, is the same in every city globally. Um, but the way it plays out is quite different. And this is what absolutely fascinates me the most, the way women approach um, each other. Because women are used to being, uh, I guess, you know, f- chatted up or flirted to by men, but not to each other. So they, they stumble with nerves mostly on how to make the first move, how to approach a girl, how to strike up a conversation that takes it from just talking to kissing. And men have these techniques down and <laughs> we just don't yet. So it's in at the deep end, really, you know, you, you're turning up at an event and you've got to figure it out on the spot um, and hope it comes naturally in some way. And and it, and it does, you know, with a couple of glasses of champagne, um, but it takes longer for some cultures than others. And, and probably the, the slowest of the lot would be London, my hometown, which um, still still to this day struggles with its British sensibilities um, to, to get past. A, they almost need the five full glasses of champagne before they can actually make the first move. Um, so a little slower to start than the others. Um, and then and you've got some cultures that need absolutely no igniting whatsoever. Um, and those would be Berlin. Um, and Sydney was pretty hot to trot. Um, no, they're just, they're just not shy. Um, all they're so accustomed to sex and talk around sexuality that this is nothing new to them and there are no barriers. Um, and then you've got other cultures like New York and San Francisco, which I'll put in the same bracket because they, they almost, they strut into that event, you know, they, they strut their part and they talk out loud and they very much project what they want and then have it. And this is probably the most, um, the, the highest level of confidence I've seen amongst women globally and absolutely adore. Um, I, I wish I could spread that all over the world. Uh, maybe I can, um, but I, I do love the way they they absolutely own it. Um, my two favorite cities. That's awesome. That is really cool. I, I was really struck too by what you said about how in many cultures that women just haven't learned those 
those skills, that prowess, that whole thing. I had a conversation with a couple of women friends of mine recently, and they were both saying that they're both really, really strong, bold personalities. And they tend to, they said, in, not not intimidate men, but that men feel in, intimidated by them, if that makes sense. They feel uh, <laughs> that they're always attracting very, very submissive men and that they're more like alpha personalities. Do you see that within the, um, the social space when you're having these events and a lot of people exploring for the first time and it's, are women, are some women kind of more alpha by nature? I think our events definitely attract um, an alpha or strong personality because of the nature of the event. You know, it takes somebody with balls literally to to show up and um, and take this upon themselves. So naturally, we we, we attract that anyway. Um, now they see two alphas clash, so <laughs> I guess luckily they don't have enough time to get to know one another because <laughs> they'd probably end up in an argument. But um, they no, I I I see all I I see everybody just trying to navigate the course of something that is new to them um, and feeling nervous about it um, and maybe talking through their nerves uh, in a conversation to, to just just find their way, to find their feet. I think even the most alpha um, is knocked off her guard uh, in this situation. Have you thought about that much, whether you're alpha or beta or maybe a mix of the two? According to couples therapist and author Sonia Rhodes, the quote alpha woman personality type is often a stylish person, unabashedly sexy or sexual and very career oriented. She says we're all on an alpha beta personality spectrum and that if you're more prone to the beta end, you'll have less need for control and less interest in leadership positions, but you're probably also a skilled listener and very supportive. That's very cool. And she just does believe that two alphas paired can really butt heads, yet many alphas seem to think that they should be paired together. That's interesting, right? So if you are seeking a partner and you feel more alpha and you're like, it's just not happening, it might not hurt to seek someone who's more opposite in alpha, or if you're beta, maybe seeking somebody who is more alpha. You might even meet such a person at an event like the ones at Skirt Club. I knew that Skirt Club hosted speakers and workshops. Dr. Megan actually spoke at one before out in New York City, but I wasn't sure of the spicier specifics. So I asked Genevieve what all takes place and whether they also encourage hands-on, girl boners on activities as well. It's a mix of all of it. Um, that there are mostly two types of events. Um, there's our signature party, which for all intents and purposes is a play party, um, but begins with a talk and a performer. So depending on the theme, um, that, that will vary. But I just came back from L.A. We did a theme called Velvet Rope, uh, which is about Japanese rope bondage. Um, we had the fascinating Kiss Me Deadly Doll, who's um, a rope bondage expert. Um, she tied up her her partner cam damage and um you know there are parts where you're you're looking at this girl with a rope around her neck tied in the most uncomfortable position wondering how and why this turns her on and you know kiss me deadly talk through you know what was happening and and how that sort of um how she was giving herself and the whole torture of it was somehow intensely wildly attractive to her 
anyway, so that was that was one. That was a Japanese theme. You know, so we had a talk about that and a demonstration. Um, and after that, it's cocktails and more games. Body tequila is one of our favorites. Um, body shots, as it's commonly known here. And, um, you know, a little bit of spin the bottle, you know, stuff to what we call icebreakers. Um, and then, of course, nature takes its course. So um, pretty much after midnight, that, that event becomes a play party. Um, the other type of event that we host is called mini skirt. And um, as suggested by the name, it's a, a light wake version of the signature party. And it's held in a bar. Um, you know, we, we just serve cocktails. We have a, a blessed performer. We all play games once again, similar games. Um, but it doesn't go further than that. And, and that event's normally on a weeknight, it's like a Thursday, 7 to 11 p.m. Um, yeah, so you, you, have the, you have the option to choose. Um, you know, and the ticket price, of course, reflects that. So um, you, you have options. Um, we're also rolling out some workshop type events because I, I personally love the educational side more. Um, I love to to learn how and why things happen, the psychology behind it. So we, we are rolling out different workshops around the world, anything from erotic writing to, to actually how to tie the knots in the rope bondage exercise yourself. Is there a particular topic that was really eye-opening that you wanted to learn about or that taught you a great deal about your own sexuality? Um, <laughs> yeah, it, I, you know, body language and how to read it is one that really gets me because we give off a lot of body language ourselves, often without knowing it. And I had the opportunity, I guess, I meet so many people for the first time. They, they have immediate impressions of me and by watching their reaction, I've learned a lot about who I am, which I hadn't realized before. And that, that was very interesting. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's probably the most powerful weapon anyone could wish for that insight, um, into what people think. And it it comes very naturally just by, just by reading their eyes and their body language. Have you thought about your own body language much in regard to dating or sex or relationships? We are all so unique, but here are just some of the signs that are common when someone is really into you, according to experts. One is large pupils. Dilation happens when we are enticed by something. It's almost like our eyes just want to open up and absorb that person as much as we can. Raised eyebrows also show interest, as does a toothy grin, not like a fakey prom picture, permagrin, but a genuine smile that conveys happiness. And it's that kind of smile that makes your whole face smile. Someone who's into you will probably also look up from their phone. In fact, they may have trouble looking at their phone. They may be so enamored by you. They just want to look at you. Swing. They may also lean in when you talk. Again, wanting to take it all in. And women tend to arch our backs involuntarily. Men may spread their legs when they are into you sexually, which, by the way, is very different from that manspread thing you see on the subways. From a personality standpoint, I think so much shows up in our facial expressions, the tone of our voice, and how we feel or make other people feel in our presence. It might be interesting to ask friends or acquaintances how they perceive you. I was at a high school reunion this past year, and it was so interesting to hear how we all remembered one another. Very often, it was more positive than we thought we were being kind of perceived. You know, it's those wonderful years of adolescence and teens. I asked Genevieve what she learned about her own body language at the Skirt Club workshop she took. 
Well, I, I realized that I was quite naturally flirtatious and I hadn't, I hadn't even realized that. I thought, um, I thought I was very, I don't know, <laughs> stiff upper lip British and very, very kind of like, very kind of cold, I thought. Um, but obviously there's something in my facial expression that helps people feel at ease uh, because they tell me so. And they say they feel warm and relaxed, um, safe, protected um, in my presence, which, you know, gives me encouragement, of course, um, to continue doing that. And, and that's really helped that kind of that kind of feedback that you get from friends, even though you've never met them before. It's it's really lovely. That does sound lovely. It also made me curious, how did learning that she has that impact on others affect her sense of self-confidence? So I, I think you know, one of the most important parts of my role is making people feel at ease. And um, I, I, didn't, I didn't know I was doing that until someone fed back to me. And that was very important because it spurred me on to feel more you know, at home in my own skin. Which, you know, given what I've, you know, the last four years, I've pretty much run this company um, alone. And it's, you know, being a CEO is a very lonely job at times. And people don't really talk about that very much. But um, I'm very much at home alone running this company. And uh, it's, it's just so heartwarming to get feedback like, this is working for me. Yes, I will do this again. This part I really enjoyed. Can we have another event like this one? I really like that performer. Or this happened to me and my life has just changed. And I, and I received so many gorgeous emails from members who feel comfortable enough to reach out to me directly and, and, and share their story. And that is just so heartwarming. Um, it's I almost have a one-to-one -one relationship with with each of our, our 10,000 members, which sounds like a really tall feat, but um, it's, I think it's the only way uh, in order to, for them to feel comfortable and natural um, and, you know, and, and to continue on with their own journey themselves. Since confidence is such a big part of what Skirt Club provides for women and given her own journey in cultivating it, I asked Genevieve for some tips on developing sexual self-confidence. This led into a chat on opening your relationship or trying everything you can sex-wise and whether that makes you kind of cooler or more sexually progressive. I think, first of all, never shut off your brain as to what you desire. You know, we, as women, we are so, we so easily give and care for others that we forget to listen to, us, to our own heads. Um, we shut that down in an attempt to please other people first. That's rule number one. Um, and we're taught to do that very early on as women. So actually, I, I think this next generation does not have the same issue, but women certainly, um, you know, of the, around my age, sort of 30s and 40s, need to start really listening to their own hearts and untrain themselves almost. Um, the more you know who you are and explore it, the happier you will be. It, it can only be the right way to live your life, if you give forever, you, you just end up being depleted. So I think that's a very important lesson. Um, and, and have respect for yourself, you know, don't don't think that trying everything makes you a better person. It, try what you need to try um, and be content with it, you know. I think if you go too far, you might you might end up disrespecting your own body. I so appreciate that because I have received quite a few questions from people 
who feel like they're not kind of quote cool enough or quote open enough, you know, when they may have friends or partners or peers who are, they consider them a lot more sexually adventurous or they want, you know, an open relationship and they feel like they just can't be cool enough. And I I love that you brought that up because I just don't think that there's this hierarchy. I feel like it's all about authenticity and and figuring out who who we are. You couldn't have said it better. I mean, really, there is no hierarchy at all. I, I could I could choose to have threesomes every night of my life if I wanted to, but I, I choose not to. Um, I prefer being in a monogamous relationship with my husband. It makes me happy. We are both content. So why would I ever change that? Um, I'm, and I'm really quite satisfied. <laughs> you know, it really having an open relationship is a very difficult thing to manage. Um, both of you need to be mature enough to handle it. And I've rarely seen it work. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I think that there's this idea that an open relationship, if you open up your relationship, sometimes it might be a solution to something. Like I've seen that happen where people think, oh, we're not happy, so let's try opening it. I don't think that's really generally probably the the thing that will fix it unless you're both, you know, having those desires already and have just been trying to conform or something. Um, and then I, you know, I have friends who are non-monogamous and, and love it, but, but, uh, you know, but, but again, it's just not, it's just what's best for you and, and now, <laughs> you know, and knowing we, we might change, but it's not, there's not like this, this goal, this finish line of trying to be sexually cool enough. And I don't think that that's what empowerment is really about for sure. It, it really is not. Um, I'm so glad that you said that too. Uh, I think there are definitely a lot of mixed signals at the moment about what's cool. Um, it really isn't about that. Every single one of us is so different. Just knowing yourself and what moves you can be the only answer. I received a question related to this topic recently, and it seemed worthy of a bonus Ask Dr. Megan segment. I love this question from Vanessa who wrote this. Recently, the relationship I was in for several years ended, and the friend group and environment I helped build suddenly wasn't accessible to me. One longtime friend of mine, Angie, who's married and in an open relationship, is the prominent reason my boyfriend and I broke up. She began talking to him more and more until they were talking and hanging out, and he was talking and hanging out with me less. I think open relationships are great if the people are able to emotionally feel happy about that. However, Angie got in between my relationship with my boyfriend and other people's as well, causing a lot of hurt. Another friend and probably the biggest source of my pain is Anna. She recently discovered she's bisexual. She's experimenting. I love that she's getting to know herself, but lately drug abuse has become apparent in this group. I'm really worried that experimentation is going to progress to addiction and overdose or trauma. So saying all of that, my biggest question would be, how do I support friends like Anna who's experimenting and trying to find what makes them happy, but also being uncomfortable with the way they're doing it? Where is the line where I should say something because people are getting hurt? She's hurt me a lot by her lack of interest in being my friend, so I feel like anything I would say would come across as close-minded and judgmental. I feel like from their perspective, I'm the person that couldn't be open enough. Vanessa, thank you for this question. I've actually received a few that are kind of related to this topic where your peer groups or relatives, habits, lifestyle are kind of edging into a, an area that feels unhealthy or unsafe. And on top of that, feeling like you might be perceived as old-fashioned or something. So first of all, I just want to say you are awesome. 
your huge heart totally shows in your words. And I can tell that you have just so much care for these people in your life. I also want to say, yay, big kudos for staying true to your own personal values and comfort zone while also respecting others. I don't think that's an easy thing to do. And I also see why this has all been so painful for you. So I want to validate that and say, all of your feelings make 100% sense to me. And it's so important that we don't judge ourselves, right, for being more or less sexually, quote, open. Um, And I think, you know, it's one of those things where these judgments, if they do have those and if they do express those, they are not about you. They are about the people judging, right? Here's what Dr. Megan had to say to your question. Vanessa, uh, I just really wish I could um, sort of virtually give you a big hug uh, because this is a lot of loss, um, you know, in in the sense of betrayal from people you love and care about um, and on many levels. So, you know, first of all, you were part of, it sounds like you started this friend group um, and that's no longer accessible to you. And so I'm not clear about the specific kind of group, but it sounds like it was a sex positive group, I can imagine. Um, and the fact that... Uh, you've lost your relationship to your boyfriend, you know, really makes me question in a sense, Angie's ethics, um, because there is an etiquette to uh, open relationships. And part of that is transparency and that's built on trust. And, you know, in either committed or an open relationship, you never put another person over your significant other. And somehow both Angie and your ex-boyfriend forgot that. And so I guess there's a part of me that, things of that expression, you know, perhaps you dodged a bullet, you know, when and if that's how they want to be and how they treat people, seems to me in the long run, this isn't the kind of, you know, people that you want to invite in your life. Um, And I'm not sure when you say you're no longer having access to this group, whether you sort of self-exiled because again, because of the hurt and issues around trust and betrayal, you feel like it's not the kind of people that you want to hang out with or whether you feel like in a sense you were exiled, but either way, this is such a huge loss. And I just want you to like sort of make space for that, right? That the sense of not one, but multiple relationships. And, and this is, you want to grieve that, right? This is a process of bereavement. Um, and it's going to take time. That being said, I also want to help you and help you to know that, you know, it's not uncommon when we've had these kinds of losses or betrayals that we want to sort of close our hearts to protect ourselves. And I can just tell you that's never a great strategy because the cost, you know, you never want to feel that kind of pain again, but the cost is always greater self that you would also then never be able to feel the joy. Um, you'd only have a limited range of your emotional experience. And so, um, I hope, and when you're ready, you can move beyond uh, this group and your ex-boyfriend and Angie and really open yourself up to and seek out healthy relationships um, with people that have, have sort of the same core values and beliefs that you do. And listen, that of course can be open. Um, and, you know, again, coming back to sort of that being open and considerate, like I hear you're also friend, you know, very concerned for your friend, Anna, who's experienced experimenting right now. And um, I think it's a reasonable thing to say, you know, two parts, right? Anna, 
one, I love you. And I think it's awesome that you're exploring your sexuality and having a lot of fun with it. But, you know, as your friend, I'm, I just also want to give you the perspective that I'm a little bit concerned because I've begun to notice, um, as you said, that, you know, there's drugs um, and you're sort of focusing on that sense of, uh, you know, the impact of the drugs as well as potential uh, trauma, perhaps an unwanted sexual experience. And what I would say is the, the thing you didn't mention here, which I think is incredibly important, is just the whole role of sexual health, STDs, and potential risk of pregnancy. So really say to Anna, hey, I just want to, you're my friend, and I want to help keep you safe. And have you thought of some of these things? And a great resource, you know, for her and for anyone um, sort of exploring or in, in an open relationship would be The Ethical Slut. Uh, it's in its third edition now. Um, it's the practical guide to polyamory, open relationships, and other freedoms in sex and love. And that's by Jen Hardy and Dossie Eaton. I think that that is uh, sort of a go-to source. So maybe get her a copy. Um, and again, share your concern. And, and again, they, when I said two parts, the other part of this is you're kind of feeling it left out that, you know, because of her enthusiasm, she's not really making time for your relationship and you're sort of feeling on the outside. And listen, I, we all have those choices and she might not make a different choice. All you can do is be an advocate for her own uh, sexual health and well-being, but you also have to be an advocate for yourself and your feelings. And like I said earlier, when and if these relationships no longer serve you and are not feeling like they're healthy or in your best interest, as hard as it is to walk away from them, it, it that's what I think it's going to take because by walking away, you are opening yourself up to what else can come in and new healthy relationships where your needs really can get met. So, you know, take the time to sort of grieve the losses and, you know, really set an intention about what kinds of relationships uh, you want to be inviting into your life and go out there with your best of self and with a full and open heart. Uh, as always, love to hear how it goes. Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. I love what she said about, you know, pain and loss because this is a grieving time for you, Vanessa. Whenever we lose, you know, we hear about breakups from a partner. Breakups with friends are also really, really challenging. And it sounds like you're still connected to them to a degree. And I think there are so many ways to express concern. And again, your goal, it sounds like, is to express the concern, right? So that's all you can really do. You can't make them take any sort of action or um, change their lives, you know, in any particular way. But you can be honest. And if I were you, I would write it. You're a beautiful writer. I didn't read your entire email, as you know, but I can tell that you are verbally expressive and really eloquent in your writing. And for me, and you'd have to feel this out for yourself, but I would probably write a thoughtful email, uh, letter, whatever, and then sleep on it. You know, don't like, definitely don't write it when you're all worked up. <laughs> I feel like when, when that happens, it's good to kind of take a moment to let yourself sleep on it. I don't know if there's somebody else in your life you could maybe share it with, but just so that you can really express what your concerns are and from a loving place. And given your heart and your big sensitivity, I just think that there's no way you're going to say anything, quote, wrong. You know, there is no right or wrong. But I think that you wouldn't regret not ever saying anything, but you might regret not saying something. And I also echo what Megan said. 
you know, it's so important that you have people in your life who do nourish you. And maybe they're not a good fit for you right now, as difficult as that is to, you know, to realize and to grasp. And when we give something up, it's so important that we replace it with something. And that applies to people too. So if you can, I don't know, do you have a passion that you really love, a hobby, maybe find a meetup group related to something that you're super into or take a class or reconnect with an old friend or, you know, there's so many ways to, to do that. Um, and there's also really beautiful power in taking some solitude time. But I do think that because these friends have been so valuable to you, letting yourself feel, letting yourself grieve, you might even enjoy this um, technique called EFT tapping, emotional freedom technique. I found it to be really helpful. It uses like acupuncture points and you like verbally talk through your feelings and there's all these YouTube videos about it. And I actually do have an episode where we talked about it a little bit. I can send you that link, but it's a free way to just kind of try something out because I think self-care is of the utmost importance for you right now. Like that is super, super important. But thank you again, Vanessa. I'm cheering for you with all of my heart. And like Megan said, I hope you'll let us know how it goes. If you have any other questions, if any of you do all out there have questions, please write to us. You can find me, augustmclaughlin.com. Just hit the contact tab. Uh, Go to Megan's website, greatlifegreatsex.com or find us on social media. I love protecting people's privacy. Just let me know if you'd like that um, anonymity. And I'm also really open to ideas for topics. So if you have a question or topic you'd love explored, feel free to share. I do try to reply to most messages, but know that I do read them all. If I get a thoughtful listener question, I, I read it. I really do try to reply. So if you send me something kind of in depth and you don't hear back, it might be good to just like ping me because maybe it went to my spam folder. You know, there's a lot of boners in my emails. So sometimes they, they bounce a little bit. Bouncing boners. Uh, lastly today, but very far from least, here are a few upcoming Skirt Club events you might want to check out. So our next event in New York will be May 4th. And of course, May 5th is Cinco de Mayo. So we thought we'd have a Spanish senorita theme. Um, The dress code is your most flamboyant red dress, of course. Um, And this will be held um, in a brand new hotel that's just opened up in Manhattan. Let's hope that we don't don't ruin it too early. But um, um, so I'd love to mention our upcoming skirt club uh, weekend getaway uh, in Ibiza this October, because Ibiza, is a little bit of an island paradise, um, especially when the tourists have left. And so we're choosing the first week out of season to host in this gorgeous uh, boutique hotel on the waterfront, um, which has just been purchased by Lionel Messi, the footballer, and unknown to him, <laughs> uh, now probably known to him because it made the headlines this weekend all over the British press. Um, we are hosting a weekend party at his hotel. Um, and I'm inviting, of course, all of our members all over the world to join us. It's, I think, our most special event of the year because um, all of the all ladies of all cultures get together and they have so much to talk about and so much to share, especially our hostesses, you know, because we have between 10 and 15 hostesses in every city. Um, they all come uh, because it's their chance to meet each other. So it's, I mean, if you think about <laughs> exceptional parties as, as they go, this probably is right up there. Um, it's a meeting of some exceptional women. Thanks again, Genevieve. You are such a beautiful soul. I loved chatting with you, and I just think your work is awesome. To learn more about Skirt Club, everyone, visit skirtclub.co. 
www.girlboneradio.co.uk. If you are enjoying Girl Boner Radio, please subscribe on iTunes if you haven't, where you can also leave a simple review. You can also just click on the stars and give a rating. It takes literally like a half second. You can also follow Girl Boner on Spotify and again, sign up for my email list. I would love to have you part of my personal posse. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.